Welcome back, everyone. I'm Brad Wolverton, the host of Sports Scholarship Stories. If you're a regular listener, you know I've written about college sports for more than a decade and interviewed hundreds of people about the athletic recruiting process. A few years ago, I wrote a piece called The Myth of the Sports Scholarship. And since then, I've spoken to countless NCAA athletes and coaches about the things colleges look for in scholarship athletes. My goal with this show is to share insights I've learned and to introduce you to some of the people I've met along the way, with the hope of helping your family land some of the millions of dollars NCAA programs hand out every year. Today, we'll hear from Renee Lopez, a longtime college soccer coach and athletics administrator who runs a popular Facebook group to help parents of aspiring college athletes. She's also the author of a book called Looking for a Full Ride, a step-by-step process for helping you land a sports scholarship. If you can do it in college athletics, Coach Renee has probably done it, and she shares loads of advice on how to help you improve your chances of landing some of that money. She shared so much advice, I'm splitting our conversation into two episodes. In today's episode, Coach Renee tells you what coaches are really looking for in recruited athletes, based on interviews she did with 65 college coaches. She breaks down some of the misperceptions young athletes and parents have about the recruiting process. She explains why you don't need to pay a recruiting service to help you get coaches' attention. She explains the age at which young players should start reaching out to coaches, and she gives maybe the best description I've heard yet on exactly what you should include in those emails. She shows you why you should reach out to schools at all levels, from junior colleges to NAIA programs to Division II and three. Instead of just focusing on Division I, she gives the inside scoop on how coaches back-channel players to make sure they are who they appear to be. She shares how to use net price calculators on colleges' websites and other tools to understand what a college is likely going to cost you. She gives advice on how many schools you should reach out to and how you should organize the recruiting process with the aid of a simple spreadsheet and lots more. So let's get to it. Here's part one of my conversation with Coach Renee. I've been a member of your Facebook group for years. I think I joined when it had like 15 or 16,000 members. I just checked this morning and you're about to cross the 100,000 member mark. So huge congrats for building such a useful community. And thanks so much for taking time with me today. I'm honored to have you on the show, Renee. You know, thank you so much for having me. It's been quite a journey for sure. And we are excited to be able to help serve families and coaches and school counselors and athletic directors and directors of programs, of sports programs, you know, because we really feel like there is a missing piece that a lot of people don't have in the recruiting education programs that are out there. So I'm glad it's becoming a great resource, not only of information from me, but also our team of experts in there. Um, You know, we have an ACT test prep person, SAT test prep person, someone that helps in how you find other scholarships, you know, the community scholarships and a mindset coach as well. So we just want to be a great resource and completely for free for families to be able to help them understand this recruiting process. So I thought I'd start by asking, what's the biggest misperception that parents and young athletes have about the athletic recruiting process? I always bring up the movie, The Blind Side. I love that movie. It's a great story. However, it's a misconception of how the recruiting process goes. Just because you're talented doesn't mean college coaches are kind of knocking on your door. You know, Nick Saban's knocking on your door just because you're good. But the reality is for the majority, 97% of, of student athletes who go on to play in college, really, they had to do some marketing themselves to college coaches and reaching out to coaches to let them know of their interest in that school. A lot of people just think if I'm good enough, people will just find me. Or the second misconception is, 
well, I'm just going to hire this recruiting service. They're going to go blast out my information out to college coaches. And that that's the way college coaches want to be contacted. And the reality is it isn't. I spent uh, 14 years as a college coach and you know, I took the information in, in uh, from interviewing 65 college coaches across 19 different sports, all different levels, junior colleges, all the way up to even like University of Florida athletic director. You know, the idea is being able to get information put together of what coaches really want. And the fact is they want to have the student athlete contacting them. They want them to show the interest in the college, not just, hey, I'm interested in playing your sport. But the idea is you are personalizing emails, sending them why I'm interested in your school specifically. And I think a lot of people don't realize that the power of social media is also there and that you can be DMing coaches and college coaches actually do really respond in that way in addition to sending emails and that we can utilize that. You know, in my day when I went to play, it was sending a VHS tape and hoping and praying a college coach would make a long distance phone call. Well, recruiting landscape has definitely changed over the past few years. And I think the biggest thing is that we have to be able to learn to market ourselves in the right ways and also understand that, you know, it's not having to hire a recruiting service. If you follow steps that we talk about in our Facebook group, in our blogs, and in the book, it really is just going to spell it all out for you. And we've had thousands of kids get committed just by following the steps that we have. Unfortunately, there's been a gap in education that hasn't happened across the board. And a lot of school counselors aren't trained in this. A lot of athletic directors are not trained in this. Even high school coaches or even travel teams, you know, a lot of those coaches are not trained in the process unless they were a college coach themselves or maybe a college athlete themselves. And so we just want to be that bridge to really kind of get those misconceptions out of the way and that these kids learn what to do and how easy it can be. It's like, what if we put our film on YouTube? We could have created our film off an iPhone, use iMovie for free to edit it, and you get a free email address from Gmail or Yahoo or whatever, and you can create a one-page Word document with your athlete resume and put that all together you blast that out to coaches. You send emails saying about your interests and personalized emails to the coaches. And also, really key, take notice of the word I said, student athlete contacting, not the parents coach contacting the coaches. One thing I, I love having been in your group and read your book and a part of your world is it doesn't feel self-serving at all. There's so many people in the recruiting process who are looking out for themselves and who are not necessarily thinking first about the kid and their long-term goals. It just seems like you have done a nice job of building that bridge, of being that disinterested but very helpful third party that can kind of come in and help them understand the process. So you sort of hinted at this. You've coached at just about every level, from club sports to high school sports to NCAA Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, NAI levels, literally just about everything. If you had to describe two or three of the most important qualities that coaches at, say, pretty much all of those levels are looking for, what would they be? No matter what sports you're in, they are looking for kids that are not entitled, that they actually think about others first. And unfortunately, this age demographic sometimes are that. And so showing ways that you serve your community and showing ways that you give back, whether it's at a soup kitchen or maybe you help with a little kid's, you know, five-year-old's little peewee leagues, whatever, whatever it is in your sport. 
Maybe it's at a vacation Bible school. Maybe it's helping with a diabetes walk. One of the things that coaches really want is they want to have people that they want to hang out with. It's not something just like, oh, I'll just see you for two hours and then you go away. It's like, no, you become part of their family. When you're in college coaching, your team is your family and you guys are together way too many hours a week. And so they want people that are good people and that they have good character and integrity and also going to be held accountable. Interviewing 65 college coaches across all different sports, all different levels. One things that we found was we said, what are the intangibles you really want? And, you know, obviously they want a good student and obviously they want a good athlete. I think we all can assume those are the top characteristics, but they talk about the idea of what are the things beyond the X's and O's? We actually have a chapter on that in my book. And we talk about it being community minded and teammates minded, but also one of the characteristics that came up time and time again was resiliency. How did they bounce back after something didn't go right? I get the question all the time and probably almost once a week. Someone's saying, well, we got these coaches to come to watch us play. They came out to this tournament or team event, whatever it was, and my child didn't play well. or my team didn't play well. I played okay, but we had our butts kicked. And the key part is people always are wondering, well, what happens after that? You know what? College coaches actually are okay with that situation because they want to see your character. They want to see how do you respond in a difficult situation? And so what's your resiliency level? Do you start screaming at your coaches? Are you screaming at the referees and officials? Are you screaming at your teammates? Or are you stepping up and becoming a leader and saying, you know what, I'm going to make a change. And, you know, professional sports sometimes give us great role models and sometimes don't give us great role models. I look back at, you know, the Tim Tebow speech he made a gazillion years ago when his team didn't play well and he didn't play well. And the first thing he did, now mind you, I'm a Gator alum, so I, I have to preface this before I say it. But, you know, he stepped up and said, you know, we didn't play well and I didn't play well. And he's like, I am going to fight harder. I'm going to play harder. I'm going to work harder than anyone else. And that's a leader. That's exactly what coaches are looking for is, gee, if your team is down 5-0, are you responding in a positive way and figuring out a way to make things better? How do you respond with an injury? How do you respond in, I got a D on this test in my chemistry class. Am I going to blame the teacher or am I going to step up and really get my grades in line? So I think it's really the idea of resiliency and then being community-minded. So I've heard you talk about how college coaches scout players, and they're not just looking at their on-field performance and how they react in front of coaches who are recruiting them, but they back-channel players, and they talk to opposing team coaches about what kids are really like. Tell us about that vetting process that college coaches do, because some of what you're talking about, obviously... You can present yourself in a certain way to coaches when you send them emails and when you you know, play games that they are attending to watch you. But what are the things that coaches do behind the scenes that you need to make sure you're aware of? One of the best stories I heard is a friend of mine is a college basketball coach, and he's been coaching for years and been very successful, won a, a, a national championship with the National Christian Colleges in men's basketball. And one of the things that he said to me is, if I go into the school, I'm going to sit and chit chat with the coaches, but I also go and stop by the cafeteria. I go and find out from the cafeteria workers what that kid is like and speak with the custodians. I speak with somebody that, especially in a smaller school environment, 
they're going to know who that kid is and they're going to tell you if that kid's trouble or not and how they represent themselves. So you look at that, but also one of the things that we watch oftentimes, coaches don't always have their insignia on. Sometimes they intentionally don't. Sometimes you're just cold and you have a big sleepy jacket on because it's freezing out you're recruiting. But the reality is sometimes you have your, your letters covered up from your college intentionally because you don't want people to know you're there. And you start to have an idea of watching a kid and maybe they don't even know you're there. Maybe you're sitting back in the corner and we're watching how you interact with your parents, how you interact with your coaches. And sometimes it's really, really telling within 30 seconds after a game and you walk over to your parents. If you throw your bag at your parents and ask them to carry it, or you complain about the color of the Gatorade, had seven college coaches tell me this exact same quote, seven. If you complain about the color of the Gatorade that your parents just bought you and are handing to you, it's really telling who you are. We are looking for kids that are going to be 100% committed to what we're doing, not be entitled, thinking about the team, and can handle adversity. And also have a positive attitude and helping our team move forward. And then the other big part of it, and, and people don't even notice, always notice this, is parents also play a huge role. They are not just recruiting the kid. If you are a parent who screams and yells and is obnoxious on the sidelines, college coaches will figure out really quickly who your child is, and they will cross your kid off the list. Now, that may sound harsh, but the reality is, they don't want to deal with a problem parent for four years because you're the parent who's going to go kicking and screaming to the athletic director, kicking and screaming to the president. College coaches don't want that. They don't need those extra headaches. They can walk over to a different field and find a player just like you and you're just the same abilities and with positive supportive parents. And that also means as parents, not just being positive supportive of your own child, but are you positive supportive of your team? Because again, the back of their mind, all they're thinking is, what kind of parent will you be on my sidelines in the future? These are the intangibles that people don't realize and say, oh, I don't know why this kid didn't get picked up. And I always say, give me 10 minutes watching the parents. Give me 10 minutes watching how they interact with their coaches and how they interact with their parents as well. And oftentimes that is telling why a talented athlete is not getting picked up because Coaches will just find somebody else. Again, you're in their family. There are times that I was on a bus with our players for 12 hours. I don't care who you are. Nobody enjoys 12 hours on a bus. It's not fun. You know, you stop to stretch your legs here and there, grab some food. But you've got to make sure that you have the right people on your bus and the people that you want to hang out with and you want to go into the difficult situations with. So what I'd like to do now is have you help walk us through the recruiting journey for kids. One of the big things you encourage people to do in your book is to cast a wide net in the early stages of your recruiting journey. What's the best age to start that journey? And how many schools should kids include at the beginning of their search? I always encourage folks to start understanding the process between eighth grade and freshman year of high school. Some people say that's crazy, that's early. And then some people say that's too late. And the reality is college coaches will start to get to know who you are. You want to be on their radar by the end of your sophomore year. That's an ideal timeline for the majority of sports. Now, that does that mean that you're getting committed then? No, it means you're getting on their radar. And there is a process that takes place that should be, I always refer to as like the dating process. You are not going to probably marry the first person you date. 
And what many people don't realize is that NAI junior colleges, two-year schools, and we'll call them the JUCOs of the world, and D3s can be speaking with kids even as they are freshmen and sophomores. So people don't realize, you know, that Division One, Division Two, they have a little bit different rules. A little bit in Division One is based off of your sport and when the coaches can contact the student athlete. But a student athlete can always contact a college coach. And people say, well, but I want to go Division One. Okay. Well, let's start the process in creating a list of 20 to 30 schools, five to eight at each level, five to eight junior college, five to eight D3, five to eight NAI, five to eight D2, five to eight Division One. Now looking and saying, well, but there also may be some of the National Christian Colleges. There may be the USCAA as well, which again, different organizations, which we explain all in the book. But the fact is most people start too late and then there's a panic in their junior and senior year. To be honest with you, most juniors have a very, very demanding academic schedule. Plus you need to be taking, you know, ACTs, SATs, all those things, and you're visiting schools and you're starting to go through that process. And I want to make the process a fun one as opposed to a stressful one. So we always say, let's get you onto a college campus, even if it's Division III, NAI or junior college, and talk with a coach, even as a freshman or sophomore. Let's get that conversation started. And nothing else, it could have just been a practice interview. Who cares? The reality is, as a parent, I want you to look and say, you know, my child just figured out some things they don't want in a college and some things that they do want in a college. I would say between your freshman and sophomore year, go to a camp that's even local, just a one-day camp, not a five-day camp. Go to a one-day camp. Go to a smaller school where it's not going to be a huge number of camp numbers. Some camps are 700 kids as opposed to go to a camp that's got 50 or 70 because you're going to get to know the college coaches, get that interaction with some of their student athletes, and just get some ideas in your head about what you want in a college campus. So the other part is, is making sure that it passes a broken leg test. The fact is, we need to make sure that we're making decisions about a college campus based on academic as the priority. If you break your leg or tear your ACL or whatever kind of situation where you can't play your sport, that it's still a good fit for you academically, and it's the right programs. Now, some will say, well, I'm undecided. What do I do? The fact is, when you are undecided, just look and see if there's three or four areas at the school that they offer of your interest. If you're like, die hard, I want to be an architect, but they aren't even anything close to architecture, probably not the right fit for you. But the reality is, you can be able to explore some areas. You can just say, I want business, or I want science, I don't know what I want to do. That's okay. You'll probably change your major anyways. <laughs> That's the nature of this process. But the fact is they can go on to campus and interact with coaches and get a feel for what that looks like athletically. But more importantly, we need to make sure that we're getting a feel for what's going to be a good setting for me, academic majors, the size of a classroom, the social aspects as well. There are some campuses that are really big. There are some that are medium-sized. There are some that are tiny. And it's not about what is right for you as a parent. It's not right for what your high school coaches, your club coaches. It's what's right for that kid and finding those academic, social. And then the big one is financial and realizing there are some schools that you are not going to be the right fit financially because not all of you are going to be on full ride scholarships. But the reality is, you know, we have to kind of take some of those steps in really understanding that as a freshman software, you can be starting to research schools, create that list 
of 20 to 30 schools, five to eight each level, that you're reaching out to coaches, sending film, knowing and understanding, especially Division One, Division Two, they may not be able to respond early on, but they may respond to you with a questionnaire, which they can, or they may respond to you with a camp invite. Again, opportunities for you to get to learn more about the schools. Now, does your sixth grader need to be contacting college coaches? No, please do not. College coaches delete your email. I'd love it if you could tell us more about the consulting work you've done with individual recruits and their families. How much time does it typically take from the first phone call with kids and parents to the verbal commitment they make to a college? And can you unpack what that process looks like a bit more? Sometimes that process goes very quickly. Sometimes that process in specific sports could be two months. Sometimes that process in other sports could be a year and a half. And so it's hard to to blanket answerable for what you're asking me. But the reality is I always say you need to ask uh, every time that you're on the phone with a coach or you're in an email with a coach, if they can be contacting and and actually in full-blown communication, coach, what's the next step for me? And you may not even realize that it was they're waiting on your transcripts that you thought your high school sent, but they haven't sent them. That may be all they're waiting on. And now you don't hear from them for a couple of weeks. And you're like, why is that coach ghosting? That's what kids love to say, ghosting me. So that's why we always ask, what is the next step? And so, you know, kids want to jump through and say, oh, you saw me, you evaluated me kind of like, oh, you've seen the tryout and you know who I am. Let's work my offer. And it doesn't work that way. They're trying to get to know you and they are trying to make sure you are the right fit. Academically, athletically, very important, socially. And they also know financially, it is not going to work out for every student athlete. I always encourage people before you even really start the process with a specific college, do the net price calculators. You can't hurt here. I'm called NPCs when it comes to the college itself, but they're on each website and you can plug in some information, kind of get some, some basics. They're usually pretty close in terms of the estimates. You know, they're not always exactly on, but they're pretty close, usually within a thousand dollars, two thousand dollars in terms of what you may qualify for in terms of financial aid as well as academic. So you have an understanding before you're even at a point where a coach is even offering you athletic money. And some kids are not going to be even offered athletic money. Division three cannot offer athletic money. So you're really especially need to make sure you do some of those net price calculators to get a feel for what it, what the school may cost. And the idea of also everyone target to be accepted to this college. I can tell you, I was a great student. I was an honor student, all that when I was in high school. I did not apply to Harvard or Yale. I can tell you that because I would not have been accepted. I was not that kid. I was a good student, but I wasn't that kid. And I didn't apply to those schools because it wasn't the right fit for me. So we, again, have to find that right fit academically that we know it can be accepted as well as we know can afford it. And then thinking that the idea of the athletic scholarship, if you are offered one, is a bonus. It is not a driving force of why we're choosing the school. We're not just choosing the school because of I had offered athletic money. It's like, well, does it fit the academics for you? Does it fit socially for you? And is the team culture the right way? And so we've got to put that whole picture together and really thinking towards what we need at a school and as we explore this process. So when it comes to consulting with kids, all of them are usually all over the place in these different steps. And I always say once school, they're at this level and, and that they've you know been to campus, they've talked with admissions, they've done the campus tour, they've done an overnight, they're hanging out with the team, they've seen them play, all that. And then one school, they've talked to the phone with the coach once and that's it. And it's like, you need to ask that other coach what is the next step in the recruiting process for me? 
And I think too often kids are afraid to ask that question. And 95% of the time when you ask that question, you're going to get the answer that you need. It may not always be the answer you want, but it is the answer you need. It sounds like a big part of your consulting work boils down to really listening to kids and families, talk about what matters to them. And then obviously using the experience you have, having worked at different colleges, to guide them towards the kinds of institutions that make the most sense. And that feels like it's part expert advice, part therapy, part money counseling. That's a pretty valuable service that not many people can offer. What should people expect to pay for a service like that, whether it's yours or some others, in helping their kids navigate this path toward getting a scholarship? Well, I think we're going to have some great group programs in 2023. So we're going to try and keep them as affordable as we can. And that's something that we will be announcing here soon. So we will give that information to you. <laughs> that sounds great. I'm okay. in. So I'm going to ask you a question that comes up multiple times a week in your Facebook group, which you have pretty strong feelings about, which is, what are your thoughts on NCSA recruiting services? And just for those of you who aren't familiar, NCSA stands for Next College Student Athlete. And their goal is to essentially connect middle school and high school students with college coaches. Why do you encourage people to basically run from this service? Well, to be honest with you, no college is chasing recruiting services in order to find student athletes. They do not want recruiting services to be the means in being contacted. I don't care what recruiting service it is. You could insert 12 more names into what you just said. College coaches are not looking for recruiting services. They want to hear directly from a student athlete. They don't need a third party. And again, I interviewed 65 college coaches and athletic directors. Every single one of them said, you don't need a recruiting service. Stop it. They have all the, every single recruiting service has great marketing. They're going to tell you how you're so late to the process. There are certain lines that they say, and I hear them every single week. And they're a lot more relentless in contacting you. Parents, coaches, you do not need to pay a dime for the recruiting process. All you need to do is make sure you're taking the right steps. Again, free email address, Yahoo or Gmail. Record film on your iPhone for free. Y'all have iPhones. If you don't, somebody else does. Use iMovie for free. People say, well, I don't know how to use iMovie. Find any teenager who uses TikTok. They know how to use iMovie. I promise you. Then you look and say you can create a one-page athlete resume in Word or PDF for free. And you put your videos on YouTube. And then you do the work and put in your emails, sending out to college coaches. And you do the social media, sending them out to on DMs and contacting them on Instagram and Twitter. And utilizing those as a service to get people out there. Now, coaches, high school coaches and club coaches and travel team coaches, they can support this process. They can help in, you know, sending supportive emails, things like that. But college coaches want their initial email and contact to be from the student athlete. Show the interest. College coaches can appreciate if high school coach or club coach, you know, travel team coaches send an email saying, this kid's a really good kid. You know, talk about their character. That's what I always say. Don't talk about their exercise. Talk about their character, who they are as a kid. You know, what are they like in the cafeteria? What are they like on a Friday night and a Saturday night? Are they making good choices or bad choices? And they can do all those things, but they are, again, a third party. They can support that process, but it is not necessary to be chasing third parties. They don't want to have to go through somebody else to contact a kid. And 
you are going to get on these email lists. Some youth sports organizations sell off your emails and information. Some of them, you didn't realize you clicked a box when you're registering for something, some tournaments, things like that. Even some high schools do it. And sometimes they're getting a kickback about things. So the reality is this is not necessary. Insert any name of any recruiting service. No recruiting services are needed. We do not need to be spending thousands of dollars because you know what? Spend your thousands of dollars on traveling to a bunch of college campuses, go to a camp here or there, you know, use your money on that. Or I'm sure many of your kids are going to need a laptop or need pay for books for college. Spend your money there. That's why we run our Facebook group completely for free. That's why we have 40 free blogs on our website and we provide information for you all to be able to help move you guys through that process. So everyone has their own way of organizing the athletic recruiting process. And one way you suggest is just start a simple spreadsheet, which helps people have the 10,000 foot view of where things are. What kinds of things should people include on that sheet? Obviously, date of last communication with the coach. When did I last send an email? Did I invite them to this tournament? Oh, shoot, I forgot to send that email. So keeping that straight, especially if you're 20, 30 schools. And and that list is going to evolve over time. That's okay for it to evolve. But also like detailed, watch a virtual tour. Ever since COVID, every college has a virtual tour. You can watch it. It's free. Why not get a little insight on the school? You may cross a few schools off your list because you're like, oh, this is not a right campus for me. It's not a good fit for me. Admission standards. What is the total cost in terms of residential life as well as food and stuff like that and housing? But also, do freshmen have to live on campus? Are freshmen allowed to have a car? Uh, where is freshman parking? <laughs> Having been on campus like University of Florida, it is nowhere as close to your dorms. But the idea of is campus walkable within five minutes? Do you, you have to live on campus all four years? Some of those kind of intricacies about the school. And then also, like, I watched the virtual tour and I loved their student center. Write that down. So when you're on the phone with the college coach, you can remember, like, oh, I really loved your student center. That was really cool. Because what it shows the coach is you've done your homework. And so I think that information, as well as, you know, coach's email when they're having their next camp, you know, is that something that I can go to? Is it going to work out for me? Or, hey, I can't go to this date, but hey, they said they're going to have another one in June. And so I'm going to make sure that I get there. For that. And then moms and dads, you need to have some categories on the other bar side that your student athlete may not be looking at. And that is net price calculators. What are the typical academic scholarships that they have? If the coach has offered something, or maybe the coach has said, Hey, we're just, we're only offering a walk on position, meaning a non athletic scholarship position, but it is a rostered spot. And so what does that look like? More importantly, if they do give you an offer of athletics, when is the deadline? Because they are not offers that sit out there forever. Most of the time, two weeks to four weeks is them being considerate of you. Being more than that is them being extremely generous. And sometimes you will have coaches that they're like, you have 48 hours to make a decision. And hopefully you've already been to campus. Hopefully you've already done some of the, the research behind it. But I think the fact is, you know, if they're giving a deadline, you need to make sure that you're on, um, keeping up with that as well as application deadlines. And there may be separate processes in terms of making sure your financial aid information is going through, you know, some colleges will have the CSS profile you have to complete as well. And making sure that you kind of keep it all in one spreadsheet. And I always say, find your most analytical person in your family. And that's their role to help you keep up with all this. Some people old school it and keep it in a binder and that's okay. Uh, but I think the key part is also knowing when you're going to be taking your tests and ACTs and SATs, as well as, you know, what those deadlines are for applications. 
and being able to make sure that we are on track with with the right steps going on. And it gets really blurry and really fuzzy. And some things that you're like, oh my gosh, we love that campus, but I don't remember why. What was it? So writing that in your Excel spreadsheet, because if you go visit three or four campuses, they will start to blur together. You will forget that this admissions person told you this. And so you need to make sure some of those details are written down, especially after you do a visit. That's so well put. There's so much about the athletic recruiting process that's fuzzy and blurry. And there's lots more ground for Coach Renee and me to cover. But that's going to do it for part one of our conversation. Next time, she'll share insights on one of the murkiest aspects of athletic recruiting, how to talk to coaches about money. She'll also tell you how to stand out in the recruiting world, the best questions to ask coaches, and the single most important thing you can do to help get your college paid for as an athlete. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss any episodes. See you back here soon. 